0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings, the podcast for curious event professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Neves, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings. This special episode of the Event Manager Podcast is titled Designing Meetings Around Human Needs, and it features two sessions recorded live at the recent Skiff Meetings Event Design Summit. First, you will hear about how designing events for connection and belonging can and should drive transformation. This conversation features Liz Lathan, co-founder at The Community Factory, Megan Henshaw, Global Event Strategic Solutions Lead at Google, and Naomi claire Krellen, CEO and founder at Storycraft Lab. The second conversation is about designing events for humans, not job titles. And it features Jesse Gaynor, the Director of Growth Strategy at C2 International. We're pairing these conversations because they both revolve around human-centric approaches to meeting and event design that can inspire and change attendees. In other words, meetings and events that make an intentional and positive impact on everyone involved. I hope you enjoy listening to these conversations and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast, which you can find on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. Travel Portland presents a meditation for meeting planners. Close your eyes and picture your conference in Portland, Oregon. Your budget is totally under control. With no sales tax, you've saved thousands, which you spend on a group dinner at one of Portland's incredible restaurants. The food, delicious. Your attendees, delighted. And the glory, all yours. Portland, yours to find, yours to share.
1: Hello, everybody. Hello, Megan, Liz, Naomi. Thank you for being with us today. Um, This session is called Designing Events for Connection. Connection is a really interesting topic. Basic human need. Events have the potential of being great places to connect like-minded people. However, not all events are created equal. Many events have the bulk of connecting and serendipity left to alcohol-fueled networking events. (laughs) Can't have that now. How could we better make uh, design, make events more inclusive, and enable participants to reap all participants to reap the benefit of connecting? That's what we're going to be talking about a little bit. So hopefully you'll join me on this. Um, to my, it's really hard to figure out which way to point, but that <laughs> way is Naomi. Naomi, thank you for joining me. Your <laughs> founder of Storycraft Lab, exactly. experienced strategist, designer with expertise in audience design and strategic development, who's passionate about using empathy. To power enterprise, and the events were great, awesome. Megan, just below me on the screen, global events strategic solutions lead at Google. That is quite a job title. I, I have to like, it's hard. I, I trip over that multiple times when I say. <laughs> so you're leading some amazing initiatives at Google that you're going to be telling us a little bit about later, including the Experience Institute. So looking forward to that. And Liz, kind of at the bottom here. There you go. Founder <laughs> of the Community Factory, ex- event and experiential marketer who creates transformative gatherings and obsessed with applying modern marketing principles to events to ensure all events have return on emotion. I can't think of uh, three better people to be talking with about designing events for connection. So really appreciate you joining us. Let's jump in, shall we? Enough introductions. Let's get into the (laughs) content. I'm going to start with Naomi. So thank you for being so close to me here on the screen. Um, I'm going to start with a question to you, which is really about designing for connection? I mentioned in my intro that it's not always common that we design events for connection. Mm. Why do you think that is? Why is that? Why should we design for connection and why is it not common?
2: Oh, okay. Uh, I like a good kind of two or three part question. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd start by saying, you know, it's tricky because connection could actually mean a lot of things, right? How do we design for allowing humans to connect with humans attendees to connect with the moment connect the content to their needs connect the present to the future there's a lot of options when we bring up this really big word so i think it's important to define from the outset what the goals are for connection because it can really go in a lot of different directions um and designing for connection can be really tricky because we bring with us a lot of baggage (laughs) as marketers and as strategists designers and planners we're taught to put our message our values our goals our organization's bottom line first that's what we're taught to lead with but if we're truly designing for connection actually that means taking an empathetic approach which is difficult because it requires us to let go of what we think we know right put what we want to one side just for a moment and engage your audience with really meaningful dialogue asking the questions about what they need to be truly connected and then really listening to those answers and respond to them You know another level of tricky that comes with this is that that whole process requires us to put our egos to one side (laughs) and we can often be a little bit proprietary as marketers and strategists about how well we know our audiences you know it defines our value in a way so that's tricky to let go of that um uh, but when we do it returns to us so much knowledge (laughs) about our audiences that we didn't have before you know i think the the final component of trickiness is that people think that that process of dialogue takes more time than they have in their process but i'm here to tell you it really doesn't you can find very streamlined ways to have those conversations and when you do the value of that uh, dialogue and designing for connection is really immense we can build meaningful relationships engagement and belonging right so We should get there. (laughs) We really should get there but it's it's tricky.
3: (laughs) But I think the $64,000 question is who are you designing for? And for some organizations that takes a little genetic engineering because we're used to designing for our sponsors. Who gives us the money? We design for their connection. So I think that we kind of have to take it up a level and make sure that every stakeholder is on the same page as to who the design and the connection is all about because What's the old proverb, um, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. So once we agree on it, <laughs> then we can take our path.
1: Love it. And yeah, feel free to jump in on, on anybody's question. I want to make sure this is a kind of a, a common conversation between us all. But I wanted to connect what you said, Naomi, with what Catherine was saying from the marketing perspective. I think yep. it was very similar as well, That idea of using the audience's language you know, to communicate with them as well. I think it's very important, not only for marketing, but also for this design and, and connection, et cetera. Yeah, I wanted to come to, to Megan, um, going beyond this idea of connecting at events, but also cross-connecting to create better events. I know you're working with Naomi and Liz on this thing called the Experience Institute. I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about this, because I think it kind of takes this idea of connection in a completely different level or, or kind of a, on a different um, kind of trajectory. So tell us a little bit about that and how it connects with connection.
4: Yeah. Um, so 2020 was the year of what the actual health. And 2021 was the year of, okay, now what? Let's figure this thing out. And um, as I was, because I lead strategy for a global events team at Google, um, I was very overwhelmed and befuddled on how to reimagine our strategy in 2021. And I thought, I'm just going to phone as many friends as possible, Um, which is how I got connected to Naomi and Liz. That's how the Experience Institute was born. It was this idea that if we're going to answer this really big question of, what could the future of events and experience design look like? Uh, We probably shouldn't do it alone or in a silo. Um, So we've grown that XI, Experience Institute community, to over 100 people, um, cross-industry, cross-discipline, lots of external folks we've invited into the Google ecosystem to help us answer this question. And the beautiful thing about the journey that we're on as a community, uh, because of the connections and the relationships that we've Built, we're no longer trying to answer the question of what could the future of events be. We're answering the question what should they be? And how can we use our discipline for good and making the right choices on behalf of our audiences, designing for other people rather than against our own objectives? Um, It's been like a really beautiful journey that has led us to really understand that um, building communities like this and focusing on connection, inclusion, and belonging reinvigorates the love and passion we have for what we do as event professionals. Um, And that connecting people in this way really manifests innovation. Like it happens organically when you stop white knuckling the outcomes and like uh, your own objectives, right, and sort of let it organically unfold, Um, magic happens. So um, I think when we get too attached to our own outcomes Um, are too bogged down in those things. We limit the possibilities of the communities that we're building um, and the connections that we're creating.
1: Fascinating. And I think um, just kind of digging in a little bit, I mean, you work for Google, such a big company. Does creating something like the Experience Institute and bringing people from all these different backgrounds and different uh, jobs help you kind of elevate the conversation around the design of events?
4: A hundred percent. I think I... I sort of anticipated us going down this path of like testing a bunch of widgets and technologies. And we've certainly done some of that, but um, I think getting out of our own bubble and out of our own way and inviting other people to help influence and inform that conversation has completely changed the trajectory of what we're focused on and what our priorities are for next year. Um, And it is a lot of these, like it's the soft side of events, right? And we're even finding in um, having conversations around return on investment and what we add to the or an organization like Google with what we do with events and experiences, that conversation is starting to shift because of this work. It's no longer about hot, hard dollar or revenue generation um, or cost avoidance. It's about community and connection and helping people belong and want to stay in a place with people, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's completely blown my mind um and and i'm so so glad that we took that approach and that the door is still very much open i think we learned that it works and will continue to approach that because i work in that way
1: great stuff thank you for sharing that liz wanted to come to you one of the things that you mentioned is that uh, you believe that transformative gatherings can create better belonging Uh, i love this concept of belonging i know this is a, a big part of the experience institute as well but can you kind of Dig into that a little bit what do you mean by belonging why it's why is it important is it the same thing as connection or is it is it something very different
3: i think belonging is an outcome of connection so i think we kind of go through this path we call it the five c's it's care the people that are putting on the event have to care that for the people that are coming and why they're putting the event together collaboration and conversation and co-creation all have to happen to make people feel like they can be connected with others if it's just a sit and get there's very limited opportunity for connection but connecting in the chat collaborating on what the content's going to be being able to actually connect drives that that is the outcome once you feel connected with people you have a sense of belonging. And it could be it could be a name, it could be a logo, a college, university, I don't know the hundreds of thousands of millions of people who went to my school but I feel connected to the school. So as long as you kind of have that connection, it'll drive your belonging. I think the biggest challenge we've got is that, you know, attendees want belonging, sponsors want leads, sponsor money, all these things. And so when when you're really kind of designing for transformation, and what I mean for that is you leave the event different than when you came. If you leave the event, the exact same person, you came and you didn't learn anything, you didn't make connections that are gonna drive for a better tomorrow and you're not gonna do anything with the information, that was a pointless experience. So if you can leave transformed, finding something better and someone that you've connected to and feeling a sense of belonging to the folks you connected to, then you've got a successful transformative event.
1: Great, well, thank you for that. Oh. Go ahead.
3: yeah it
2: was really interesting I, I love hearing that liz i completely agree but you know one of the comments that we heard in the the belonging conversations the office hours that we've been hearing is on the one hand we've got some people that are saying yes i need people <laughs> to feel like i belong but then there were a few people that were turning up and actually saying i asked them specifically can you get to transformative can you get to magic without others. And there are a few people that responded yes. And I was surprised because I had thought the answer would always be no, there has to be another person. Um, So in that moment, I think the examples that they were giving me was the ability to connect with an artist or an intent. And I I think in that sense, the person, the other human is still there, right? But they might not be there in the moment. So it just sparked that reaction for me. It's really
3: interesting to think about the different ways in which no, I think you're right. I think you know, we always talk about uh, there's there's fans and then there's locals. And you can feel connected as a fan. I'm, you know, I'm a fan of Texas A&M. I went there. And so I I have that. My parents didn't go there, but they're fans. Now, me going there, I feel more like a local. And I can invite them in. And I can show them around. And I want to share more about it. And, you know, that's kind of the experience that you have. I've now been gone from there for 20 plus years. So I don't quite feel like a local anymore. But I'm still a fan. Yeah, absolutely. The power of the human invitation
2: you know uh kind of beyond the technology (laughs) that kind of actual human invitation is really key i think to explain like why does this matter come on in you know (laughs) come share, yeah
1: I think this is fascinating, this connection connection and belonging and, and the different layers and different levels are, yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot to expand there. Of course, if you have any questions, and I'm talking to the audience members now, please put them in the questions. We'd love to get some audience questions uh, going. We, hopefully, we won't run out of time, but I've got a question back to Naomi. Oh. Um, serendipity. Yes. what is the role of serendipity? I know this is something you like to talk about and I'm really curious about you know how much we leave to serendipity in events and how we kind of set that up uh, in the right way
2: Yeah you know and I actually think that um, orchestrated serendipity is one of the ways that we need to think about it as uh, event creators. So I I just referenced the Wheel of Belonging office hours that we've been facilitating. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Liz and Megan for being there. Um, So We've heard from a lot of people throughout the industry and uh, as we've facilitated, we've heard with some frequency about the importance of discovery and delight, right? How that moment of discovery sparks a delight um, because it's something that I feel in a way that i discovered or i uncovered or i created um so you know there's serendipity from the perspective of our audiences uh in you know connecting with somebody that is unexpected right uh who wouldn't necessarily be a part of my demographic segmentation um, but who i discover a connection with through values and passions right when i have that serendipity of discovery it sparks a delight and a joy um, that uh, the participant you know feels really kind of a powerful agency, right? They're part of authoring their own experience, creating that serendipity that feels magical. Um, But as experienced designers, you know, we are in a way behind the scenes kind of architecting the, the moments of choice and the different pathways, but from the audience perspective, converge um, and produce that serendipity so yeah the orchestrating serendipity i think from a planning perspective a strategy perspective is where it sits but it does allow some like uh, for us we have to allow ownership of that moment to transfer to the attendees even though we're creating then we have to actually step back and um be comfortable with the fact that uh, maybe for you know that moment it, We are not the author of it in the eyes of the attendee.
4: Those belonging conversations have been incredibly enlightening. I think just even opening up the conversation of what does belonging feel and look like to you has been, I mean, these conversations have been incredible. I've gotten emotional or had like a huge aha moment in almost every one of these focus groups. but yeah, I think it's it's so interesting to to listen. Forced fun is never fun, and I don't know how you all on this call feel, but like when someone tells me I have to read a business book, I'm like, not gonna do it. Um, so like creating those opportunities, curating, orchestrating opportunities for magic to happen, and then watching what unfolds is what we're hearing so much of creates real, authentic, meaningful connection and magic, um, and it's just. So validating because I think we were working with that assumption. It's so validating to hear that um, be true for so many people in those conversations.
1: Megan, while, while you're there, just I have a few questions in the chat around the Experience Institute. Is that something people can join? And if so, how does that work?
4: Absolutely. Um, so find me on LinkedIn. Um, I welcome it. That's how we've made so many friends through through the XI work. Uh, Naomi and Liz included. <laughs> um, yeah, reach out. We would love um, we would love your thought partnership and happy to share more about the work. It is an external facing initiative. So this is powered by Google, but it is for the industry. There's going to be a lot of um, insights and research that we're releasing at the end of the year, um, case studies, and doing a lot of work with Naomi and team. Um, around this belonging idea, we'll be sharing those insights out. So definitely stay tuned um, and get in touch if you want to get involved.
1: Great. So I want to jump to Liz for for a quick second. Um, uh, Talking about content as well, we talked about connection, belonging. I know that content is a big part of the design of the events that that you design for. Um, What's the role? How does that connect with belonging and connectivity and, and connection?
3: Well, I think you have to have those moments of collaboration, co-creation and conversation in order for the content to actually drive connection and belonging and all those things. Because you know, we always call it sit and get if it's just you're in a room and you're just listening for all the things, then that's there's no opportunity for connection. But if the intent was to share some content that people can take back, can you put them in conversation pods? Can you make it more workshoppy, give them the takeaways in advance so that they don't have to take all the notes, they're just, you know, adding notes, and then they can talk about it. We did um, an event in I remember where it was sometime this year where the actual keynote, you know, these sanctuary seats that everybody's putting, those are terrifying for me because I just fall asleep in the dark room for two hours listening to a keynote. But we went to one where the sanctuary seats were set up like little living rooms and there were like 10 living rooms in front of the stage. And so you could sit and listen and then they turn the lights on and you have a little conversation around everything that's happening. It was so fantastic. It's a great way to get people involved in the content.
1: Love it. Love it. I like that design of belonging and, and connection and, and everything using the content to do that. So we're running out of time very quickly. And I know I wanted to mention one more thing, which is around inclusivity. And Megan, back to you. I know you're working on a project about inclusivity and a particular project that I think you're going to be announcing more formally at IMAX America. But can you give us a little bit of a, a preview of, of what it is and why you think it's so important?
4: Yeah, we are, so Naomi and Liz are also involved. Um, so it's called the New Project NEU. And as we were on this journey toward belonging, like b- belonging being the end game, we identified very quickly that inclusion was a key part, on a key milestone in that journey. Um, we identified a gap around neuroinclusion inclusion and resources for event professionals and designers to understand how to even go about that. Um, my son is autistic. Um, We got the diagnosis last year, right about the time we were digging into some of these data and insights around behavioral trends and what people need and what their priorities are. Um, And a huge light bulb went off, like we should build this as a community. And so we will be launching that at IMAX. Phase one is just very foundational education and enablement. What is neurodiversity? It will help event professionals speak the language and a lot of practical how-tos, how to think about inclusion, from, you know, pre-event planning all the way through post-event communications. Um, So I'm so excited to roll that out um, and shine a light on our neurodivergent consultants and all of our partners um, and welcome anyone to get involved in that work as we think through phase two and what comes next as well. So thanks for for holding the space for me to share that, Miguel. Uh, yeah.
1: No, I'm really interested in this and I, I wanna learn more about it at IMEX America and, and everything that you're doing. I know that's more public facing, so really interested to, to hear your findings. Hello, Jesse, thank you for joining us today. Hope you are well. Hey, Miguel, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. So designing for humans, not job titles, you lead C2 strategy, business development, account management teams, and you manage the white label clients such as Twitch, KPMG, and FIS. You're passionate about telling authentic stories through creative experiences that connect audiences and achieve client objectives. Love it. Let's get into it. You told me when we were preparing for the session that you recently had uh, an event where you had CEOs of large corporations playing in ball pits. I love that story, so I, I took took that into the into the title of this session, um, and I'd love to kind of understand the journey of getting there. How do you get there, and and, and how do you, how does that really work out? But I want you to start with telling us a little bit about C two. I know it's not just a one of a kind event in Montreal. I think most people that are watching know about the event, but tell us a little bit about. The event as well, and particularly how it started, but then the other parts of the business that we've already referred to a little bit, but, but I'd like you to kind of go into more detail.
5: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Miguel. And I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to get through the the who we are as quickly as possible, because we'll get to the fun stuff and how we get CEOs to jump in ball pits a little bit later. But I think it, it is relevant to understand who we are. So... Uh, C2, uh, who are we? Uh, simply put, we're event makers um, and our business is well known. We, there's really sort of three lines of business that we have. Uh, we're best known for a conference that we put on in Montreal called C2 Montreal, which is happening very soon. Uh, 2022 edition of this event starts on uh, September 26th. So while it's quiet in this office right now, outside right there, it is uh, a madhouse uh, but uh, we, we run that particular event. We also have a white label business where we take our learnings and methodologies from this event and actually produce events for other customers uh, and another clients and other brands. Uh, we do have a, our third line of business, which is Spaces, which is sort of an architectural line of our business where we design bespoke uh, meeting spaces for uh, 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 hotel and real estate businesses. Um, oh, perfect! We have got the slides up here. Is that this is this is good? Pictures tell a thousand words, so um, I, I can uh, I'm going to kind of catch up with that. So, uh, so those are our three lines of business, and all of them are really informed by the work that we've done at our signature event at C2 Montreal. So, as I mentioned, we've been running this conference for ten years in Montreal, um, and. Uh, it's born out of a partnership from the ad agency Sid Lee and Cirque du Soleil. So while you see in a lot of the images there that you know, and for people who know C2, it's well known for being a a, fair, a highly experiential, uh, you know, uh, amazing, immersive event. But I think the learning that we've took taking we've taken out of producing that event is really understanding how to design for humans but designing uh, with the intention of achieving very specific objectives. So quickly, and I'll I'll try to go, go, go fast through this story, but I think it's important for what we're talking about today is that the birth of C2 was really a response to the 2008 financial crisis in Montreal. And the founders of the event uh, were, were looking for ways to put uh, Montreal back on the map as a, a uh, hub for uh, sort of a creative sensor center of excellence. uh, And, uh, more specifically, to actually be able to reinvigorate the Mon- the, the economy of Montreal and and Canada, um, and so the event uh, C two stands for commerce. It's the intersection of commerce and creativity, um, and so through that event, and I you know I could go on and on and on uh, beyond developing these this really uh, uh, amazing event and people having a good time. We were the event. Uh, 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 would regularly generate between 600 to 800 million dollars in annual ac- in deal flow and economic outcome, um, and that really sort of informs you know it became our playground to really understand what are we doing with this event, how are we able to achieve that, and you know we talked about the the this you know our, our talk before is that our uh, our thinking behind how you design events to be able to achieve those objectives is really based on the kind of magic formula that you see here. And it's about the interplay between uh, people and connections, the experiences they have in the storytelling. Now, that's kind of true for like every event you ever go to, right? We're not we're not redefining We're not remaking the wheel here. All events are about meeting people. They're all about experiences. They're all about content. What do we do that's special? And it's really in our design, it's understanding uh, the interplay between those things and the subtleties in those interplay to turn moments that can be really, you know, that are wonderful and amazing. But how do you turn something that's really really you know, visually ostentatious or a cool experience and make it meaningful, right? Because you can go to an event and go on a Ferris wheel or go on and see fireworks or meet a really cool speaker and that's great, but five minutes later after you leave the event, you're like, did, did you learn anything? Our our goal in designing that is understanding how you have a red thread or a through line that connects every, human, every person's touch point, every experience within that event uh, to those central themes so that they become meaningful. Um, and in doing that, um, it, it means that if you're going to make those experiences meaningful, you have to understand the people that are having those experiences, that are connecting, that are reading those stories at a really deep level. Um, I'm going to st- stop there. I, I didn't want to go too deep in the slides, but I thought this would be a really good illustration of like our thinking behind that. And so that when we talk about what we've learned from our festival, those are really kind of the the, the points. But what, what I think is key to uh, that we'll get into a little bit later is um, all of these points are important, but they don't work unless you truly, truly understand your audience at a really, really fundamental
1: level. Great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to highlight that bit about how CT was born from the financial crisis. I think that's definitely an event that's sort of really given people an image of Montreal, which I think is, is super important. And and I think it's uh, it's an excellent case study. But let's jump into this. I, I thank you for sharing the method. I think it's it's interesting. Like you said, it could be one of many methods. How do you make that special? But you wanted to go into understanding audiences. How do you understand the audiences? Uh, and and I imagine this applies. For C2, but also for the white label events that you're doing, like, how do you go in and really get to that level of understanding of the audiences?
5: Well, it's, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Miguel, because I think our methodology has actually changed over time. Um, and especially uh, now, and like, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, this is the reality for most events professionals is that we're in a very, I, I hate to use cliche terms, but it's an unprecedented time. We've come out of this pandemic, we're going back into more live experiences, um, but Experiences and getting people together, whether you do it online or in person, now is a premium, right? You, you, people are far more uh, uh, um, precious with their time. So, in order to make sure that people are going to come and be engaged with your event, uh, we have to do an even better job of designing experiences that are relevant to them. And so, our learnings from C2 Montreal of how to create these really transformative experiences. Um, we're always informed by understanding. Okay, who is our audience, right? What do they need? What are their wants? And I think every event designer does that to a certain extent. But what we've had to do in the last couple of years, and what we've really seen as a change in our white label business, is not only just understanding our audience; it's becoming experts at understanding our clients' audiences at a much deeper level than before. Um, this was uh, we had a uh, someone we were working with on an event said something to me in the briefing phase that really stuck with me was. Um, I don't want you to design this event for event professionals design it for my people right and this particular this particular brand was a software development client um and so it required it requires understanding you know your first what are your objectives for an event and typically it's about creating connections at an event that are going to drive particular business goals um but if that's the the objective connection people are not all the same uh, the way they generate connections, the reasons and their their motivations for connecting between people are going to be different. So what we've done at C2 uh, to be able to address that is really kind of formalize that process at the start of onboarding a client where we go into a fairly detailed discovery phase. So instead of simply just getting a sheet of, okay, here's your people, here are their job titles, this is what we're looking to do, we'll spend you know two to three weeks at the onset of designing event where we, we go into, we will... Uh, interview past participants, interview sponsors, interview all of the key stakeholders across the board, do pretty extensive research for the market for that event and kind of understand what people are doing at other events so that when we go into design that. Now, look, we can't be the subject matter experts at a a core level. That's always going to be the brand. But it's really crucial and what we've found in a lot of success in generating those those aha moments uh, is uh, doing that deep work uh, and we've seen now, especially in the last few events that we've produced, that that's really created great outcomes in terms of, um, you know, when, when we look at, at just the level of, of satisfaction with the event and when we look at but the KPIs that we are tracking, that deep work has
1: shown really great results for us. Well, thank you for going into that level of detail. I was imagining you kind of sitting next to a programmer and kind of, you know, interviewing them as they were, they're working, but it does sound like you almost get to that level. Absolutely. We
5: absolutely do. And look, our, 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 our clients have been incredibly generous with us uh, in understanding the importance of that and making time and making space for that. Um, But, uh, but we, you know, uh, like people want to be spoken to authentically. Right. And if you don't speak their language and if you don't and when we make events, we're speaking to them. They were telling a story. And if that story feels off or not designed for them, uh, okay. you get people in the audience checking their phone and you're not you're spending a lot of money in
1: an event that people are not going to care about in a month. People can tell, right, if you're authentic or not. That's it. So um, I imagine that a lot of the people watching don't have the, maybe the kind of budget that it takes to put on something like C2. Um, And I'd love to get some practical advice from you about how you can, you know, kind of not necessarily depend on a large budget, but get to some of these kind of benefits of doing it, you know, the C2 methodology. That's a great, excellent question, Miguel, because,
5: you know, people who know our brand and have come to our flagship event can look at that and say, okay, yeah, that's great. I'm, you know, fantastic. You can have these experiences because you have the budget to suspend people from the ceiling and have these incredible speakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we actually do a lot of work with clients uh, that don't have you know massive budgets and our thinking there is truly thinking about uh, it comes back to what we were talking about before thinking about objectives. what are you trying to achieve? And in a lot of cases why you bring people together is to think of unique ways to create collaborations or connections between people who aren't naturally going to come together. So it comes back to that it comes back to that thinking of first truly understanding your audience and then thinking about about how to create interactions without having to spend a lot of money that are, are authentic to that audience and that explore that subject matter in a, in a unique and interesting way uh, and create a cool environment for it. It doesn't need to be uh, out there. I'll give you a really concrete example. We uh, 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 just finished up an event that we do uh, for Twitch. Um, and one of the experiences there and one of their key goals at this event was for the attendees to be able to, these are attendees that did not know each other, but for Twitch's business goals, it was important for them to create lasting bonds, to be able to collaborate after the event. Uh, So we created a bunch of different experiences for them. But one of them was an experience where we used Legos, right? And and the experience was a team building exercise that explored leadership uh, without different forms of leadership that are nonverbal. And so the exercise actually takes people, you have to build a uh, a structure out of Lego uh, collectively in a team of four. Uh, All of you, each member of the team is given prompts and, and uh, um, rules that they must follow, that they're not allowed to share with the group, and no one's allowed to talk to each other. And then you're given five minutes to design this, this structure. Um, and so that's an experience that from a design standpoint in terms of investment is pretty low lift. But what's, what makes that experience important is first making sure that the content and the way that you, you facilitate and deliver that experience ties into who you're who is around the table uh and that it creates the type of connections and experiences that the event that that, that fit the event um so for for me like the all of the other uh, environment design that you can do on top of that that's where you can you can up level but at its core um, it's really about making sure that the experiences people have are not only authentic to them, but that they deliver on the ask. Right? Why am I coming here? What did I want to be here? What did I want to learn? Right? And if if you can you can do simple mechanics along those lines that uh, that really deliver on that
1: promise. Love that. I think you're really you know coming down to the basics of event design and saying if we get this right. then then we're delivering. It doesn't have to have this crazy budget along with it to to deliver everything, right? Well, and and, I wanted to... Oh,
5: sorry, please uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think that that we have to think that way in these times, Uh, you know, uh, budgets are not like they were uh, two or three years ago pre-pandemic. So it means while these experiences and bringing people together in person is at a premium, also, you know, we are challenged in our position to be able to deliver... Same results, but sometimes with you know 75%, 50% of the 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 money that was once there. So it requires a lot of creative thinking. But uh
1: yeah, for us, the core of that is is getting down to the sort of fundamentals. Yeah. So we have to wrap up now or at time, but I wanted to just get one quick question in from the audience from Rachel Stefan. What KPIs are you tracking? And maybe if you could point me towards one that is something that you always track. Oh man. Uh, So
5: Okay, that's a great question. I wish we had more time for that, and because it's really important, <laughs> we need some we, slides for this. Uh, I track the KPIs that are important to my to to my audience and client. There's no one standard KPI. However, if there was one that I was going to pick, right? Our fundamental belief is that most KPIs from your for event, whether it's like revenue growth or 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 um, um, client satisfaction or whatever, all of that comes down fundamentally to the to the uh, to to connection and interaction event. We're bringing people together to be people, uh, to meet people. And and if you can, uh, the way that we track against that, if we have the ability to do it, is look at not only the volume of connections that happen, whether you do that through apps or whatever, but the quality of those connections. So we'll actually do follow-ups with samples of the audience to see. And what we do is C2 to track deal flow. So we work with a partner to see like, you know, uh, have you done business with someone you've met at C2 in the next six months? And really understanding is it's not just, okay, I met 20,000 people. It's what were the quality of that. And so there's a number of methodologies there. And for me, if you're able to track that and see that kind of interaction and the quality of that interaction, that is that to
1: me is a, like, that's a, that's a, a killer KPI. Awesome. That's a great takeaway. Measuring the quality of interactions at the event, I think, is an excellent, excellent uh, takeaway from this session. Thank you, Jesse, for joining us today. Really, really appreciate you being with us.